Talking back to the teacher podcast, my people. You got you got to hear from my girl Lola Jesse, Plano Senior High School class of 2023 graduate, now resides in Houston as a cougar at the University of Houston. Um, I'll, she'll, she'll tell you about her journey, tell you about her major, and she'll give you a really really good insight into what the culture is like in Houston on campus. We've been through some ups and downs. I've, I've had the pleasure of walking through high school with her for her junior and senior year as her counselor. And she's got some stories to tell. She also shouts out the high school um, that she feels really, really prepared her more so than what some of her counterparts experienced in terms of a high school education. We're talking H-Town. We're talking Houston, Texas by way of Plano, Texas. But her journey didn't begin there. She'll touch on some of her favorite memories that happened to come from another continent. So, Lola Jesse, now is your time to talk back to the teacher. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's just where I am right now. Anytime I see something with dollar signs attached, I'm like, man, I need a job. You ready for this? Question number one, what's the most useless piece of mathematical information you've ever learned? You're talking like up to college or like i'm talking just whatever comes into your head first like why did i memorize that because <laughs> it's stupid the unit circle the fucking unit circle the i unit. swear <laughs> that shit is cursed literally every whiteboard every whiteboard in the freshman dorm literally has the unit circle on it every time i see it, i'm like it's so cursed. i'm not joking freestyle is hell for me Surprisingly, I'm doing a lot better in college calculus than I okay. did in pre-cal. So. You took pre-cal in what grade? Uh, junior year. And, and I'm pre-cal? Mr. Martinez. I don't know why y'all hired that man. I don't know he, why he y'all not, hired that He's not there right now. He's not there. I want to know, like, how many kids does it take to complain about a teacher before y'all fire him? Here are the three ways you can get fired being an educator. You show up to work under the influence. You have an inappropriate relationship with a student. Mm-hmm. Or you're stealing or hiding money. Obviously, you can't put your hands on a student either. My entire third period goes down and complains to, you know, the math department or the mm-hmm. principal over math. Mm-hmm. So, say I have a horrible year, I fail all my kids, and they're like, "Oh, well, now we're going to put you on a a growth plan." So they have to do like twelve months or like nine months, the equivalent of like a school year of investigation of collecting data and whatever else i'm telling you it's it's a protected profession yeah. i'm just honestly i every day that i go here i'm more and more thankful and grateful that i had the privilege of going to a good school district because i can say that i was definitely a lot more prepared for college than a lot of the kids here were um do you think plano isd had you prepared uh for university yeah education? honestly yeah uh there's something i'm really grateful for and Cause you meet some kids and you like how the how did you get here? How did you make it here? That's interesting because <laughs> you know I've had multiple conversations and interviews. I don't know kids who were gone come back during break because they're bored. They pop up in my office, and I mm-hmm. always ask if they felt like the education they received mm-hmm. prepared them for what came next. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe that I've had a single student come back and say, "Man." I didn't learn, or I didn't learn how to work or how to study in high school. I wasn't prepared, and then all of a sudden I got to college and was overwhelmed. I've never had that happen from PISD. We did a so, really good job. Okay. So, even though sometimes it was a little, it was a little shaky. 
I think we did a pretty. I think y'all did a pretty good job. Not gonna okay, lie. Shout out, shout out to the district and shout out to Plano. <laughs> <laughs> you lived in the states since what age? Uh, since I was, I think, thirteen. Okay, in yeah, my head, I 13. thought I was eleven, but we're over thirteen. Do you have a favorite memory from your childhood before coming to the states? Um, that's a that's a really good question. I feel like it would be when I lived with my grandmother, which coincidentally happened to be somewhere where I experienced some of my worst memories. But also, I think just sometimes, you know, when you have nostalgia, you think back. Because I remember my grandmother's routine, and we had like a daily routine, and just the process of living that. I mean, my grandmother lived in like tenement housing. I think that's what you call it, where it's like one room, and it's just a bunch of people, and there's like a outhouse where people shower and stuff, and there's like a gutter and a kitchen. But like, that was the kind of housing that my grandmother lived in. Looking back, it was it was not great, but I feel like that experience i don't know which some of the most innocent most pure experiences that i've had in my entire life like in those moments i knew that i wasn't worried about getting out of there or societal standards or all these things that like i feel like now this need to catch up with society i was just there you know what i mean and i feel like just spending the summer with my grandmother as a child was probably one of the, my most my most fun memories yeah where did your grandmother live? Do you remember? Uh, my grandmother lived in um, a town that was about like 30 minutes out of where I grew up. Um, and she lived in like a, in like a poor, it's called Ojumri. And it was in Lagos, Nigeria, for your listeners. But she grew up in like Ojumri, um, Onikban. That was where she lived. And Yeah, you're going to have to spell that out for a brother in a minute. <laughs> and they called it Ojuri because it was by the railway station and Ojuri, the face or the front of the metal Ojuri meant like metal, the metal that they used for the train station mm-hmm. and so it was Ojuri she lived right in front, and I remember the trains would pass like twice a day and it was the most aggravating overstimulating experience ever because her oh, house was like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. I grew up not far from railroad tracks. Yeah. And so occasionally at night, if you were trying to go to sleep, you know, when everything is quiet, you can hear a train coming through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got <laughs> as a kid for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, know, it's like 11 o'clock and I can't sleep, but yet I hear a train like blowing a horn. Like, why in the mm-hmm. world is this train making all this noise? Like, what are you blowing a horn for? Like, right. I remember, like, like, what is the purpose of all this right now? Yeah, so I can remember, like, train noises and songs. We had this conversation once in my office, and I laughed mm-hmm. about it because um, you talked about you were, you know, going home making cooking. I was like, man, what are you going to make? Like, what kind of food are you going to do? But you said, I remember summarizing. So, so what you're saying is Nigerian food and Nigerian dishes have flavors that American dishes could only dream of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I true or false? That. And you were like, 100% true. And I'm like, how, how, how do us Americans, me? like, how do we step our game up? Like, what are we missing? <laughs> like, what after do y'all eating, use that we don't use? <laughs> after eating Moody for, I will say, a couple months now, honestly, <laughs> I think Americans haven't even begin, begin, like, began to reach like scratch the surface of all the flavors that exist in the world. And but, Moody is dining hall there? Yeah, Moody is the dining hall. Yeah. And let me just tell you, it's no. <laughs> it's so, actually so sad. 
Okay, so here's the thing that I recognize. Mm-hmm. How many different dining halls do you think you've eaten in this year? Uh, two. Okay, I was I was gonna say I know you have multiple on campus. Yeah. Do you taste the difference in the food and between yeah. dining halls? Yes, I. Okay, swear to so yes. In Ohio, at Ohio University, I always felt like when I ate on the South Green, which is closest to my dorm, mm-hmm. some of the food just tasted better than what I tasted on the West Green. And I was like, I don't know yeah. what they doing over there on the West Green. But mm-hmm. I feel like we cook with at least a little bit of seasoning, at least like at a bare minimum, like salt, pepper, onion pepper, like j- j- onion powder, like garlic. Like the flavors are supposed to be flavored. Nothing is like with- home. There's but, a problem with Americans. It's like it's salt, pepper. I'm sorry, but no, 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 no. pepper on my food. <laughs> I hear you, but then I also learned because I had a friend that worked in the dining hall. They couldn't really use a ton of seasonings and, and flavors based on food allergies. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. You can still cook with it. Just put a sign saying, "If you're allergic to this, don't eat it." Don't eat it. But then it's also like. People who have peanut allergies, you can't put peanuts anywhere near them. You can't That's have ridiculous. peanut oil. Yeah, and I was like, and and the number of food allergies has apparently like tripled mm-hmm. for collegiate students since I was in college twenty to almost twenty five years ago to when mm-hmm. it has now. So not only was the food just basic then and bland, mm-hmm. and yes, it was food. Thank you for the the calories and whatever semi nutritional value you put in this. Mm-hmm. But now you can't even. Out other options because other people could like their throat can close up and they don't fall over and fall in anaphylactic shock. And I was right. like, no food hasn't gotten better. It, it really hasn't. And here's my problem with American food is that like y'all will cook food and they still find sauces. And if you have to po- season your food post cooking it, there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> there's a problem. Because no, legit, no other culture. Does like I no other culture does that to the degree that Americans do, and it's so weird because why am I eating food that I'm having to put more salt in it after it's been cooked? Right. So you why serve you me something, and then I have to actually season it where it's palatable, what <laughs> and the that way no. I can actually enjoy it. So what did you do in the kitchen? <laughs> right. All these sauces, concoctions, like so, there's like a billion different types of sauces. Okay, and so when I cook with my wife, she always says, like, the food wants to taste good. It does. Like, it really does. Don't keep it from tasting good. Like, it wants to taste good. Do what you're supposed to do to make it taste good. And I used to laugh at it, but, but like, 100%, like, yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) I'm so sick and tired. And I be telling people, like, y'all really cook chicken? And if your chicken tastes like chicken, and I feel like people don't understand when I say this, but, like... Why is your chi- why can I taste the chicken? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'll be eating chicken, I'll be like, I can taste the bird that this shit came out of. This is not right. Like the chicken you know still I mean? tastes like chicken. The chicken still tastes like chicken. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. I I can't wait to move out the freshman dorm so that way I can start cooking my own food because honestly, it's not Is, is there a kitchen in your dorm? Yeah, I think the uh, quad, depending on like what dorm you choose for your sophomore year. But in like your like, kitchen, no, not your in dorm my right now. No, in my dorm right now, no, no. There's a general kitchen for each floor, but no, I, I stayed in the honors dorm my freshman and sophomore year, and the mm-hmm. reason my cousin and I decided to do that is one, they had a computer lab in it, 
So mm-hmm. we are we knew you know we could just go downstairs to the computer lab. Now mind you, this mm-hmm. is twenty three years ago, but you can go downstairs mm-hmm. to the computer lab and not have to go to a library or somewhere else, especially mm-hmm. in Ohio when it's like eight degrees out of my mouth. I'm going to to the library for eight degrees out. It's going to take mm-hmm. 10 minutes to walk. It's cold. Wearing all these layers. And I had a kitchen downstairs. And we didn't mm-hmm. use it that often because we also lived next to the dining hall. So mm-hmm. even if it was 20 degrees out, I could throw on sweats in the hoodie and I could trot underneath the catwalk. Yeah. And be in that thing in like 60 seconds. So, mm-hmm. meanwhile, if somebody was coming across campus, they had to bundle up or drive over. No, I'm just walking. Yeah. That was a perk. So, moody, moody food ain't really hitting. Okay. No, it's not. It's really not. The amount of times I've had to resort to license too. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so what is your go-to dish? It's not the same food every day, moody, is it? No, it's not. Okay. So, what's your favorite thing to eat? At Moody. Not gonna lie, the omelet. The so omelet. It's any so time good. of day omelet, you can get it like. Breakfast. No, 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 I, no, no. I don't eat that omelet in the morning. And typically in the morning, I like to keep like a consistent meal, like uh-huh. like because I, I hate one thing I hate is making decisions. Like I try to eliminate as many decision fatigue things as possible. So I'll pick out my outfit the night before, and one of the things I do is like I'll eat the same breakfast every day. So like typically in the morning, I'll have an omelet. And then I'll oh, have hold on, hold on. How, how, how do you take your omelet? So, no cheese. I'm so sorry. Do not put cheese. If you put, oh my God, I remember. And None it's at so all? annoying. None at all. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't do it. The texture bothers me. And so I'll have an omelet with like bacon bits in it. Mm. And then um, I'll do a side of like hash browns or uh, tater tots. And then I'll do, I also do like red and green bell peppers and onions in it. Okay, yeah, And yeah. then, obviously, they don't season it, so I have to season it myself. And then you got <laughs> And then I'll get, like, a waffle, you know, a waffle machine. So I'll get a waffle. You are so big. Like. <laughs> I know, right? But, you know, and you know what's so crazy is that, like, I feel like in high school is when I discovered eating breakfast. I don't know. You were there when I came to that revelation. Like, eating breakfast in the morning make me not makes me not want to literally die by the end of the day. <laughs> I think you were there when I made that discovery in high school. I was like, Mr. Ham, you're not going to believe this. I ate breakfast this morning and I'm not mad. Yeah, so I did. Three, three and a half hours away from home. Yeah. Not enough distance where can't nobody just pop up on you. Say hi to the Like, no, you weren't. <laughs> the neighborhood is 191 miles away. Like, nah, you weren't just in the neighborhood. I remember your application process. Mm-hmm. We walked through every step of it together, honestly. Yeah. But ultimately, why University of Houston? It just felt like that was where my heart was. You know what I mean? Like, all the schools that I applied to that I did get into, nothing felt right. Mind you, I didn't tour any of my schools. Right, I was gonna bring that up, but yeah, keep going. I never toured, which is one of the drawbacks of being a first generation student. It's like you don't really get a lot of the luxuries that other kids get. But I never toured, but it just felt right. Something about it kept drawing me back. Even when I had gotten my major in other schools, I'd gotten better, sco- like I'd gotten scholarships at other schools, something about UH just kept. It was like I would not let it go. I don't know if you remember that about my. Um, my application into the College of Engineering, it yeah. didn't work out. Here's what we need. I've got a first-gen student heading to school. Great opportunity in front of her. She's going to thrive. She's going to do fine. 
we gotta get her up out of PISD. Like she, like this, this is the one. She wanted them ones. I was about ready to burn down H Town. Like it was, oh y'all not gonna be Houston Cougars for long. Like y'all gonna be. Extinct. <laughs> That's gonna be one animal. Did you me? You heard about the Cougars? Like yeah, man. Them people up north came, took them all away. Like I was, I was, I was so done. I'm a chemical engineering student. That was what I applied to as. Um, honestly, I have not regret my decision since the day I stepped it on here. I I think when I got here, I don't know if you noticed, but Houston is the energy capital of the world. Um, uh-huh. And I grew up in the, one of those OPEC countries, the oil and gas countries. Honestly, I think I've, I have a newfound passion for energy sustainability. I don't know what it was, but something about it captivated me. Yeah, and I've been on that. I want to go to law school, actually. What? Surprise! Oh, oh, we're just dropping bombs on the podcast. I've been been thinking about it, and I think I want to go to law school. I think when I graduate, um, I'm looking into getting a phoresis minor. Technically, you don't need to, like, have any sort of, like, it's not like pre-med, where you need to take certain classes to Mm -hmm. apply to medical school. With law school, you can just kind of apply. And my goal is to minor in phoresis, which is political philosophy, which is also something I've really enjoyed ever since I got here. I'm an honors student, so we're required to take like political philosophy class where we learn about the great, great books like Socrates and Aristotle. And I've had such an amazing time learning about it, okay. learning about politics. I know it's so crazy, but every time I think about it, it literally just excites me so much. And so I'm trying to get it and it's one of those minors you can only get through the honors college um mm-hmm. so that way i can apply to law school junior year early senior year yeah wow. i know it's so crazy but every time i think about it it's like my heart there's a little pitter patter i yeah i'm so excited like thinking about my future just i've always known that i wanted to do something great like i was i i, I was telling one of my friends i was like i know that i was put in this world to do great things I don't know what that great thing time. is, yes. but I know that I, like, it can't be. Like the way I feel, something has to be there. And for a lot, for the longest time, I thought it was medicine. I thought, I, I genuinely thought it was medicine, but then I came to Houston. So I what? legit thought you were going to take a medical route. Yeah. That's but then I so, came to and, Houston. And not that you can't, but yeah. I, like, that's where I thought your heart was. Yeah. But then I, I don't know what I, I got here. And I started learning about energy and sustainability and like climate change and something I don't, I can't put my finger on it. But I remember the first time, I don't know when I called you and I told you that I competed in this science fair and my project was on. So when I first got here, I felt very distant from the engineering community and I wanted to kind of figure out a way to get to know people to network. And there was, there was this science fair competition that was being hosted by the, uh, University of Houston's engineering program for innovation and entrepreneurship. And it was like a competition and grad students were working and like there were a bunch of research programs there. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to show up and do whatever I need to do and just meet people. Like I'm not trying to win. I'm a freshman. I just, I literally got here like three weeks ago. And so I've been working on the project about like a couple of weeks before school started. It was research on a water filtration system that uses um, the kind of process that uh, fracking uses to clear out water um, using limestone. And I was sitting there and, you know, the the judges seemed to be impressed by my, you know, my poster, but I didn't think much of it until they were like, so first place was like some guy with a doctorate. I was like, okay, cool. 
Yeah. And then they had mentioned second place and they said my name. I said, Who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who? Who? That's Mia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was so, it felt like I remember walking out of there like, I need to run as fast as possible before they remember that, oh, we gave the award to the wrong person and they chased after me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, no taxis, man. Yeah, no taxis. Oh, and I was like, I'm going to tell you, my, my feet were were carrying me as fast as I possibly could out of that place before they decided that they want to give my $300. But it was one of those moments that like kind of confirmed like, this is what I want to do. Like I, like I, I go, I went to a couple energy conferences and met a bunch of people and it just, me and my uh, political philosophy teacher are like best friends. Like he's also the head of the energy of sustainability department here at university of Houston. And we're like best friends because I, he teaches um, the great books, so he teaches like Aristotle, Socrates, and like he teaches political philosophy. And yeah. it's just been interesting getting to hear his perspective on a lot of things. I think I feel like I'm becoming a more well-rounded person, a lot more educated, which has been nice. Like I could feel myself, aside from the science and the math and all that stuff, I feel like I'm becoming a better person. It's been great. It's so. Yeah, that's, I don't know. That There's something like a lot about of personal growth. Uh, yeah. In the midst of an academic journey, yeah, becoming which ultimately, a, like you, ex- I, I mean, I expect that yeah. from students. I expect that from kids who are there, and while you're learning and while you're getting this education, that's going to help pave the way for your future. Like, I don't expect the same version of you to come back to visit. Yeah, like this better be a evolved. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have grown. I've learned more about myself in the world. Type of a version because yeah. if I get the same. 18 year old version when you're 22 like we we sent you to the wrong school <laughs> yeah I and i don't there's a part of me that like every time i think about it i'm like i i need, i know i want to go to law school like i've never been so sure about anything more than the fact that i know i want to go to law school i know i want to concentrate on um international relations maritime law and work in energy and sustainability. I know I want to do all that stuff. And it's so exciting to me. I, I can't tell you what this feeling is, but it's so exciting. Every time I think about it, there was a time where I also considered going to business school like uh-huh. and getting a JD MBA. But, of course, all that is also, like, it's not in my hands. Uh, as much as I can work hard, you know, there's also, like, if I get in or don't, so that's that's a goal that I'm working towards, but I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the future. You don't even know. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Believe me, I'm over here vicariously <laughs> living for you. Because here's why. Yeah. And I've said this to you before. All throughout my childhood and adult life, like I've had this mm-hmm. sense of greatness, mm-hmm. and I don't know how it all comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. My mom always tries to tell me she's like, "Oh, you're really good at what you do," and this and that. But I'm like. I don't know if I consider myself great just yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm I'm good at what I do, and I know how to go the extra mile for folks. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've tapped into what makes me great yet. And I mm-hmm. don't know if that greatness or that realization comes in my current career. Mm-hmm. I know that I have touched and changed lives as an educator, mm-hmm. as a teacher, as a counselor, as a behavior specialist, whatever are ready to come through like this ginormous curtain like for my next act I will mm-hmm. and I don't yeah. know what that is just yet I was telling my friend don't you ever just think about the future and it's like it's so close like you just want it so bad like 
I feel like it, and it, the thing about passion is that it ebbs and flows, right? Like it, it, there's moments where you're really, really passionate and there's moments where you have to kind of rely on discipline. And I think in this moment, in this era right now, I feel like I have a overflow of passion and it, I feel like it shows when I talk to my friends, I'm like going on and on about whatever it is that I learned in my honors classes and they're like, oh, okay, girl. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> my, uh... Go on. <laughs> One of my favorite pastors, or he's he's like a motivational speaker too. His name's mm-hmm. Keith Battle. Uh, we were at this conference in college, so his audience is all college students. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a, a a very focused target audience, you mm-hmm. can cater your speech specifically to that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he does it differently if he's going to a meeting of with 45 business owners as opposed to a mm-hmm. meeting of 700 college students. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are barely getting by because, you know, we broke. <laughs> we just yeah. getting by. Somehow we got enough money to come to this conference. And he was mm-hmm. like, you'll know people who are passionate about what they do. And then you'll see people who are in positions that they're not even passionate about. Mm-hmm. He's like, he said, you could ask somebody, what's your passion in life? And all of a sudden they'll just perk up mm-hmm. and they'll start telling you about something that is a complete 180 from what they are doing presently. Mm-hmm. It's not what they're passionate about. And then they'll mm-hmm. just go on and on and on and talk about it forever, 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 forever. And he's like, and you'll sit there and be like, why? Why are you working behind this desk when you've got this vision? And mm-hmm. they'll say something like, oh, you know, I had to get a job to pay the bills. And like, mm-hmm. I, at some point, you got to chase your passion. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm close to. Like, I can't even, I haven't even told you what I'm up to next because I know mm-hmm. what it is now. Now that I know, I probably need the accountability. Yeah. I'm really glad you're finding that passion. Um, you find it quickly. Did you know? Aliza Kawani? No. So, graduated plain old. She wanted to be an elementary school teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Three weeks on campus. Mm-hmm. Girl changed her major to pre-law. Um, wow. Had 24 hours to, to memorize, like, this monologue and prepare for this debate. Because um, mm-hmm. she wanted to be on the debate team. Did mm-hmm. it. Rocked it. Made the debate team. This year, she went out to be captain. You tell me, within, literally within, like, 30 days on campus, she changed her major. Met this mm-hmm. woman, her attorneys. She's like, this woman has tattoos over her entire body. Tells her whole story when she walks into a room. Completely changed my life, bro. I am not going to be an elementary school teacher. I'm going to be an attorney. Fell in love with the process. This is my passion. I don't know what I thought mm-hmm. I was doing before, but this is it. Everything was like, oh, she'll be a great educator, yada, yada. <laughs> I was like, girl, you fooled all of us. She was like, I yeah. fooled myself. But when I talk about it, I can't shut up, Mr. Ham. Oh my god! Right. It's like when you're talking about it, it's like your, your, bubbles out. your heart and like you just get so giddy and excited. It feels so nice talking about it and just telling but people. But like, shouldn't passion feel like that though? It should. In every realm. So in relationships, it should. it should feel like that. School, it should feel like that. If you have enough money to buy your dream car, it should feel like that. Like even mm-hmm. if your dream car is like, I want a five series BMW. With this leather seats, like no, 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 I can't do cloth seats no more. I deserve better. I, I don't work too hard. You said I can't seats. do cloth like, seats. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. whatever that passion is, it'll mm. come out. Like I had a kid that found me the other day. I was at Vine. I asked, like, anybody interested? You know, anybody really, really good around cars? And one kid raised his hand. And afterwards, he came up and talked to me. And I'm pretty knowledgeable about cars, but he's mm-hmm. in the process of like taking an engine from a classic car his father gave him. And putting it yeah. into a, a different one. And I was like, oh, yeah. he was like, are we allowed to work on our own cars? And I was like, well, it all depends what kind of work you're doing. 
And for the next like six, seven minutes, this man didn't let anybody else ask another question. He took all of my time before the bell rang. And I was mm. fine about that. Mm. And he was like, I work with cars now. I work at this shop. Like, I'm part time. I'm trying to get a full time job. Like, this time in the summer, I've been there off and on for the like, I got 25 hours this week. And there's nothing else he cares about in the world except modifying cars. And mm-hmm. when I tell you I haven't seen a passion for cars like this in someone at the age of 15 and in a very long time, to the point where most people are going to be annoyed about it because they don't understand your passion mm-hmm. or they don't have mm-hmm. it in that same subject. Way to find it, girl. You done tapped into Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. I don't even know. I feel like, I feel like we haven't had a conversation with you. Like, to be blindsided, I don't know if that's it. That's how it is. We've talked at length about Nigerian culture. Yeah. Um, unnecessary and outdated, like, hierarchical systems. Mm-hmm. What it's like being a Nigerian woman mm-hmm. in the U.S. Because we mm-hmm. talk about what it's like being a minority. Then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. being a, be, like, I always say, like, yeah, being, uh, being a black male, like, oh, but now, like, being a Nigerian born, like, or Nigerian mm-hmm. woman, like you said, first generation. Yeah. Every turn, you just got BS, you got to overcome. Yeah. And so, yeah. in lieu of all that, we've talked about how I will forever double down and steadily feed you a line of rhetoric that reminds you that you're strong, you're an overcomer, you can do mm-hmm. this, you'll forever be shattering glass ceilings yeah. and kicking down doors. Running through them, knocking them down, because you're gonna set an example. Feel yeah. As long as you know that. What's it like taking that to Houston, knowing mm-hmm. that that is the mindset you have to have when you mm-hmm. step foot on campus? Do you have a community that feels similar to that? I feel like so. I've always been like when it came to Nigerian culture, which is interesting because University of Houston is predominantly like oh, there's like, so many Nigerian people here, so many. Houston uh-huh. is like mini Nigeria. And I've gotten the opportunity to be surrounded around a little bit more Nigerian people of my generation that were born here, but that also moved here at a pretty young age. And I think it's so interesting to see the spectrum of people who fall back into our traditional beliefs and then they get more progressive as you move across the spectrum. I've always been pretty radical, like when it came to women and like feminism and all that stuff, I've always been. I would consider myself a radical. But I think navigating black womanhood and being also Nigerian at the same time, I think at University of Houston, it's so interesting because you see, I've never, I don't think I've had my beliefs about womanhood and what it means to be a woman and what, what it means to be a black woman challenged so much in my entire life up until I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talking to women and, and, and seeing so, so many things that they want for themselves. I was telling my friend this a couple of days ago. I was saying that I feel like there's limits to my feminism. And there's a part of me that as much as I want to be like, yeah, rah, 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 you know, women, great. They can make whatever decisions they want. Coming to university and recently meeting women that are not career oriented would be like, oh, I just want a family and I want to be a mom. Something about that. I remember I was telling my friend something about that. Something about it like drives me insane. I it, It like makes me upset when I hear that and I think why like what and it's like and it goes against my beliefs that women should have the right to do whatever they want and choose whatever life and path that they want for themselves Uh okay I don't want to cut you off but does it in a sense of why is that all you want yeah exactly okay maybe that's what you see you could be fill in the blank and then as a you result, can so you can remove things. yourself from filling the other blank. Yeah. 
and not have to feel like this is it. I have friends, I think, and it's interesting that you say that because our life experiences definitely affect the way that we navigate feminism and stuff like that. I've always had women, had women around me who play the role of both father and mother who worked and did all the things that you would associate even within the household as things that men would do. My idea of gender or sex and how it relates to the household has always been different from the societal norm. The way I was raised, it just never made sense to me. So now when I see people who grew up with those kind of women around them who happen to be kept women who have the luxury of having moms who got to be stay-at-home moms and stuff like that and when they talk about their future and they talk about what they want for their lives and i hear them say things like oh i i just want to be a mom like low key i just want to graduate and be it it like bothers me and that was something that i had to like sit with myself and check and go why does that bother you so much why does that irk you so much that's something that needs to be explored and and that's something that i still I feel like right now I'm in a process of reevaluating my ideals and my values when it comes to feminism. Because in my entire life, I thought I've always been concrete about that. Like, yes, I, I'm radical feminism. I women, 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 rah, rah, rah. But I think now I'm starting to look back and go, but like, what does that mean for you? And are you check your unconscious biases that you have? And where do those come from? And where do those thoughts come from? Especially with dating, and I think it's interesting that you brought up that strong black women narrative. And and now that I've gotten to experience dating a little bit more, it's like there's some things where I'll be like, you know what, let him do it, or like let him take lead. And then there's a part of my brain that fights that. That's like the why do you want a man to be in charge? Like you should want to be in charge. You should you should want to lead. Like saying that a man should lead is is there's something wrong with that. Like it's like an internal battle. Um, that I, I noticed that I was having with myself is when it came to navigating relationships with men. I found out we could this, this, that, the other, and then we do this and that. How do you feel about that kind of a deal? As opposed mm-hmm. to someone who says, oh, I don't know, what do you feel like doing? Yeah. And where you have to continue consistently make decisions, which she was like, nah, he leads. He leads us in yeah. our relationship. And she goes, and I want him to. And she was like, and I've never been in a relationship in which someone did. Which mm-hmm. made it feel like I was doing more work. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, that was just really interesting. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting battle because it's like, it's like, I, something about it, like, it just feels wrong even like saying that, like, you want a man to lead because it's like, what the, girl, what the fuck are you talking about? It doesn't mean that you're <laughs> relinquishing control over the relationship. Uh, I'll let you know when I come to a more conclusive ground on that. Oh, you, yeah, you, you digging through it, no doubt yeah. about it. You are. One of the things that I remember, we I had a conversation with you and your assistant principal mm-hmm. um, in my office, and we stressed something to you. We said every move, important move, mm-hmm. every room you walk into is probably mm-hmm. going to feel a little bit uncomfortable because. Speak on. How it. tall are you? I am five foot three. All no, right. five foot two and three quarters. So yeah, technically, so we just gonna round that down to five two. But Why do you walk... round down? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not gonna make you feel little. But like when you walk into, you might be five foot two when you walk in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but low key, like your presence really makes mm-hmm. you feel like six five. Mm-hmm. I know you might not see it or feel it, but when you step into a room, mm-hmm. first glance, it's like oh yeah, she's five foot two. 
when you open your mouth or when you assume control of the room, you're like six five. Interesting. And six five with a high IQ. We've talked about it before, not me and you, me and your sister, me and your old assistant mm-hmm. principal and other people who would see you come in my office and after you have a conversation, close the door and you leave, they come like, she okay? She good. They were like, wow, like she's little, but she packs it. I was like, she's powerful. She really is. Uh, it must have been on like Larry King live. He was talking to Cat Williams. I'm like, is it the pimp named pimp? Is it pimp named Slipback? Oh, listen. Okay. First and foremost, I love the bucks. <laughs> own every season on DVD. Mm. And Aaron Magruder can, he can do wrong, but some days he can do no wrong to me. Mm. But Cat Williams in the interview, he was like, or what people don't know about me is on the inside. He was like, I'm six foot five. Mm. And, you know, Cat Williams, he's little. But, like, that's interesting that that's how he sees himself. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, we agree. When you step into a room, you might be five foot two, but by the time you leave the room, you about mm. six five. Maybe, I will say six six, because that's how tall I am. I'll put you six five. <laughs> but, but can you imagine, imagine the looks that a six foot five woman gets when she yeah. in the room? Mm-hmm. Six foot, then be a six foot five woman of color, mm-hmm. and then be a six foot five Nigerian woman of color who's mm-hmm. not here to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's levels to it. Like, because yeah. that'd be the first question. Oh my gosh, did you play basketball? Um, mm-hmm. Like my sister in law, six foot tall. People would ask her if she played basketball, and she'd say, mm-hmm. "No, did you play putt putt?" And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. short people would say play golf. Like, there's a part of me that knows. That I'm all these things, but I feel like I'm currently working on my self confidence. Yeah. And affirming that uh, I am big all these things. I'm 41. <laughs> yeah. And I know, like, ever since I've gotten here, I've had people tell me this exact same thing. My professor, I've had a professor who, two professors who, that I've had the luxury of developing really close relationships with, who said the exact same thing to me. When I met one of my, my philosophy professor who had, he had said, you know what, I think you're gonna, you're gonna do great things. And he, we had a whole conversation about channeling that energy and doing all that stuff. And I think it's so interesting because the more I delve deeper into my academic career, the more I'm faced with being the only black woman in the room, the only black person in the room. And that affects a lot. And I didn't realize how much that affects a lot of the way I carry myself because I, you constantly have to be the smartest person in the room. You constantly have to be the one that says the smartest thing. Yeah, in one of my classes, at all times, too. Yeah. Literally, that's what me and Ms. Kenny have talked about. Every move is calculated. Every room you walk into. Yeah, I remember. Has, regardless of, without saying a word, you could step in a room and instantly someone is threatened by you. Give off a vibe. It is there. You, you're destined for greatness. You make sure you tap into it and <laughs> hold, hold, hold my feet to the fire when it comes this way too because I feel like I'm getting close to the point where I've met all the people I'm supposed to meet in education mm. I feel like I may have influenced the most amount of students that I can do good for in my role I mean you definitely like changed my life I, there's no I mean, I question got, I mean, that. <laughs> no doubt about it first time I met you I've been, but I, what I am aware of is mm. that I'm not going to be caught slipping for my next opportunity by not being prepared I got some random questions for you. I call it hot chocolate. Yeah, I'm ready. Do you have a dream car? A dream car? I want a white BMW or a white Range Rover. What's the most Houston thing you've seen on campus? Most Houston thing I've seen on campus? Yeah. 
I feel like at every party, something wild just always has to happen. And I'm like, this shit would never fly in Dallas. But somehow, these people wake up every morning and come up and conjure these crazy-ass ideas. One, I guess you're not going to say specifically what it was. But two, what is that a Houston thing you've seen on campus? I feel like that's the level of audacity that people have. <laughs> that's such a, the level of audacity people have to do things in public. I think okay. that's that's a that's a beautiful For example, thing. what have you seen on campus in Houston? We had a anything but clothes party on campus. Uh-huh. And when I tell you on a third day school night, people walking around butt booty ass Mr. <laughs> I said, What the heck? But they had to wear something, right? Or cover no, something, Hamm. or just no, Mr. 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 Ham. These people were butt booty naked. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, don't do yeah. that. And I said, "Wow, this don't happen in Dallas. I I've never seen this in Dallas before." But okay. I think that's probably one of the most. And the food, the food is phenomenal. Great. Okay. Is there a part of Houston that is now a part of you? Like, what about that Houston culture is now like becoming a part of who you are? I think there's the adventure part wanting to explore but like just explore interesting yeah which is not something i typically do like and then have a story i have so many so, <laughs> so okay the audacity that houstonian men have crazy like you said it's hd the audacity of what we got oh we yeah. record you in hd on multiple right. phones and that shit might go wide these men are ridiculous let me finish my question. Better parties, fraternity or sorority? Are you asking me which parties are better? Frat parties or sorority parties? I think frat parties. Okay. Frat parties are so much better, yeah. So, did you have a curfew in high school? Yeah. What's it like not having a curfew now? That's so interesting because, honestly, I feel like I, I've just always been a, like, it showed me when I got here, like, I'm a really disciplined person, like, even without my parents being here. Like, I know people that... They're official night callers. Like, baby, they awake at like 2 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> 3 a.m. in the morning. Like, I don't do that. Like, I'm a bed at like 10.30. The first week of school, don't get me wrong, I was out here until 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that era of my life, I was definitely like waking up at, like going to bed at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Now, I consistently go to bed at 10.30. I don't have time for that. Like, I'm so sorry. Just want to know. Uh, what's the biggest difference you've seen in DFW and Houston? I think it's just the people, man. Like the the culture in Houston is, I think, is the antithesis of that. Like it's so alive here. Like there's something always happening. The people are just great. The people are great. I think there's always some, and I don't know if it's because I live on a college campus, but there's something always happening. The people mm-hmm. are always just the people are full of life. I feel like the people here are full of life, and I really, really love that. I'll yeah. take that as an answer. What is the biggest similarity between you and your sister? I think it's the fact that we're both strong-willed. Facts. Like, we're very strong-willed. <laughs> I feel like we're very, the way we talk and the way we carry ourselves, I think is very intense. Like, we have very intense energy. I think and oftentimes it misconstrued as aggression, which for a lot of, which when I went to high school, you can attest to that. Yeah, I think we're just both very strong-willed, very intense people, where we both kind of, walk around i think it's it's the nigeria it's it's the nigerian part of who we are and that's what people don't understand nigerians are very confident people they walk into a room like they own the fucking building and i think my sister and i 
to a certain degree, to different degrees, actually, act like that and carry that with us. So, yeah. What do you think? Okay. What's the biggest difference, is, the difference between you and your sister? I feel like she's a little bit more emotional than I am. Really? Yeah. I think she's a little bit more emotional than I am. Huh. More than she'd like to admit. Okay. What's the biggest piece of advice you can leave your sister, seeing as she is now at the senior high and just a part of the senior high? I think it's okay to not be tough all the time. It's okay to be vulnerable from time to time. Most of my episodes I always end with a, why are we still rocking together <laughs> at this point? <laughs> you have been a very influential like father figure to me throughout high school and even after. I feel like, I don't know, you're just like a really good sounding board and you just always manage to keep me grounded. So I feel like it was really important for me to keep you around. And there was just a certain level of trust. I don't know what it was that I just, I felt like I had the moment I met you, though. I was like, yeah, he's definitely, he definitely has to stay around. Always a safe space. Any final thoughts, final comments? Because I'm going to have to edit the hell out of this. An hour and 25 and a half minutes. So. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, Ms. Jesse, so I appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. That's a wrap. I told y'all. She's going to tell you how she embodies that Houston culture now. Uh, this is one of the hardest working young women I've ever met um, in my 20 years of being in the realm of education. And, and she's putting her best foot forward. And what she hasn't told you is even since we recorded, she's landed some future opportunities for research and development. She's got additional grant money coming for uh, the work she's about to do. When I tell you she's carving out a path for herself. Um, I've told her this. She is 100% a trailblazer. I stand by that 100%. And so I'm glad she gave you a little bit of uh, insight into what Houston has to offer and how she's taking advantage of every opportunity she gets when she's there. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Talking Back to the Teacher Podcast. Ultimately, I would love for y'all to like and subscribe this episode. Follow this podcast. If you have any questions, please reach out. Talking Back to the Teacher Podcast at gmail.com. It's worth it. If you're interested in being a guest, holler at me. Catch me on Instagram. Talking back to the teacher podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Google. Come find us. Rock with us. We love y'all. And uh, until next time, enjoy. <laughs>